Soul Center listeners, this is Baruch Halevi, and just a quick announcement. I am moving my content around the Defiant Spirit to its own channel. You can find that at defiantspirit.org or on the My Soul Centered website. You can sign up for the podcast there and learn about all kinds of other things I'm doing around the Defiant Spirit. Soul Centered as a podcast will continue on. Ariel and I will continue to work together to bring to you shared content, but all of my work will be found at defiantspirit.org. So sign up for the podcast and much more. Until we meet, shalom, salam, namaste, peace. Welcome to the Soul Center Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Master Healer Ariella Halevi and Rabbi Dr. Baruch Halevi. Rabbi B, your healer and guide on the journey of life. In this podcast, we will explore all things spirituality, meaning, and healing. From Kabbalah and the healing of your soul, to shamanic energy work and the healing of your past. From ancient wisdom traditions to guide your spirit, to modern tools to live your life. The Soul Center Podcast will empower you to discover your soul's purpose and inspire you to live a soul-centered life. And don't forget to check out Rabbi B's newest podcast, The Defiant Spirit. You can find it at mysoulcenter.org or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And now, on to our show. Hey, also, thanks for tuning in to another Soul Centered podcast. We are excited to be back in action. Took a little bit of a break, I think, but um, here we are. And I'm going to be talking to you today about how to be a modern mystic and still drive carpool or fold the laundry or get dinner ready bills. or pay the bills or go to work because mysticism needs to be demystified it's uh, one of these words along with spiritual where we use it or if we use it we kind of assume we know what it means or we assume other people know what they mean and nobody really knows what it means because nobody's ever really known what it means and it doesn't really mean what we think it means so let's get into what it means but before we do what's going on Ariella? <laughs> <laughs> not much how are you do you want to tell them about your uh, podcast that you have? Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> um, so I have been podcasting a lot and yeah. sharing a lot of content. And Ariella said, you're clogging up the channel, soul-centered. And she's right. Um, and Defiant Spirit is worthy and deserves its own little place. So you can jump over to defiantspirit.org, take you to a place on our website where I have all kinds of things happening, Defiant Spirit. And one of them is a podcast. I'm doing it um, by myself, but I'm also bringing on guests. I had um, today, I was with Dr. Dan, who's now a regular contributor. He's a logotherapist. And um, had Scott Schaffman, uh, a client and good friend, and a man who's doing amazing work. So, you know, you're going to get, get uh, my podcast there, and you're going to get our podcast and Ariella's standalone here on the Soul Center yes. channel. So you can get them on our podcast website or wherever you download your podcast. Great. So let's jump in. Let's talk about mysticism. I like to think of mysticism as, you know, kind of, I'd like to demystify that word actually, because it's so secretive, right? The mystical Kabbalistic, I mean, we do a lot of Kabbalah and there's so many different beliefs about mysticism. And really like, like B was saying, like you were saying at the beginning, the idea of mysticism is to create a container within it so that we can be real life mystics. So we can take this out into our real life and use it and feel ultimately, I think of, you know, when we think of definitions, I think of the definition of a mystic as 
somebody who is connected to the divine, somebody who's connected to more than themselves, not just in meditation, but in throughout their lives. So this word mysticism has a long history and I'm not going to go into the history of it, but it is important to distinguish because, you know, we're Jews. It's pretty clear in the uh, rabbi title. And um, when I work with Christians, sometimes they're turned off by the word mysticism. It's got um, some baggage in the Christian community, um, long history. But, you know, when we start talking about it and we say spiritual, like then it's kind of more of a recognizable term. And so people use them interchangeably. Um, really, they're not. I mean, right. technically, they're not. Mysti mysticism, it just simply means it comes from the same word as mystery, right? Or mis uh, mystify. It's this concealment. And so in Kabbalah, um, we talk about the, the concealed experience and the revealed experience. And so you know, we live our life in the revealed experience. What you see is what you get. And Freud taught us this. He said, ultimately, what is more important than the visible is the invisible. What you can't see is the real. And what you can see is not real. Right. And spirituality is the means to get there. And spirituality is the means. So you can do spiritual things. Right. You can engage in spiritual practice. But you don't have to engage in spiritual practice to be a mystic, per se. Mysticism is the other side of it. Well, yeah, that's interesting because I do a lot of reading on Teresa of Avila. Right. And she talks about this, like, really, she talks about two different things. One is this divine, ecstatic love relationship she has with God. Okay. So think about that, though. And she tells, she talks about both of these is not only is it just sometimes it is the ecstatic moments, you know, like we talk a lot about miracles. Miracles are those moments where you're like, whoa, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't plan for that. So that is a form of mysticism to, to have that divine aha moment. But but she also says that you have to contain it. You have to have a place in which you create the relationship with the divine. Just like in a marriage, you get married, you love each other, but if you don't continue to spend time with each other, you go this way. Correct. So you have to put in the effort. God needs, the divine needs us to dance with her halfway. And so I think of spirituality as really the spiritual, the toolbox and the pathway and the journey to the divine. Correct. And it's important to come back to that because otherwise you get caught up in doing spirituality for doing spirituality's sake. And right. then it becomes this kind of um, competitive um, look at me thing that I see sometimes out in our society of, you know, do you have the Lulus? Do you have the gear? Do you have the right ambiance, right? And if those things lead you to a deeper relationship with her, capital H, you know, the chain of the divine, then it's a spiritual process. But if not, it's just another form of doing. Right. And we've forgotten why we're doing it. Right. You know, when somebody says to me, I want to meditate, but what, tell me what to buy. I'm like, don't need to buy anything. You just need to breathe. You need to become conscious. Now those things can help you, right? This spiritual crap can help you, but it's just stuff. It's a means to an end. So similar along those lines of, of Teresa of Avila, she keeps coming back to me because what she says really is that love is the, the, the glue that bonds you to look your child, to your loved one. Like love is the glue that bonds you and binds you to the divine in Hebrew, devikut, right? Mm -hmm. And it's that cleaving, it's cleaving to the divine. And so that love is the mystical relationship. 
And pretty soon, and this is the beautiful thing about mysticism, is pretty soon, and again, there is a difference between the spirituality, like you said, you can get the spiritual stuff. But pretty soon when you are when you are putting in your time and your your effort to that beautiful love relationship, you're going to expand that into the rest of the world. So not only are you sitting in, and this is the beautiful part about um, what I've learned, and we'll get there when we're talking about prayer, but part of the beautiful relationship with the divine is more than just sitting on your yoga mat in at 5 a.m. in the morning. It is the the opening to the rest of your day, right? Mysticism isn't about planning it at five o'clock PM or before you go to bed. It's a wonderful beginning step, but mysticism is how can I live my life in relationship with the divine? How can I go to the dentist and go to the grocery store and pay the bills and still feel connected in all the doing parts of the world and and our lives? Right. It's intimacy. It is you know, the deepest level. It's just an intimacy that has to be earned. Mm-hmm. It does. It has to be worked at, right? Just like between two uh, partners or husband and wife or whoever you're with, that you've got to work at it. It's, you know, like, yes, at the beginning, you know, it's like fireworks and whatever, and it still is for me. But it, it, um, it's a, it wasn't intimacy at first, you know, it like takes time to get there. And so, that's built into the fabric of creation and of spirituality. There is a hiddenness, right? That's what mysticism means to conceal. Like you ask yourself, why, why do this, these things have to be concealed? Because what we reveal, it is more meaningful than what is just revealed to us. Right. Or you think of the stories in Kabbalah that tell us that if we were given so much light, it would be overwhelming. And part of what we're doing right now, and I think we said this in another podcast, is we are experiencing darkness because there's, what did um, Leonard Cohen wrote the song, you know, like for every time there's darkness, there's always these like little, I'm paraphrasing, little points of light. And so our job, like you said, it's not that God is hidden from us. It's that I see it as almost a maze or a puzzle. As we open to it, we find more pieces to put together in order for us to go along on this journey. So it's finding sparks of light in that darkness. And now life doesn't have to be all dark, but part of the expression of mysticism is to find those sparks of light in every corner. And in every corner of life, there is light and there is dark. So it is this dance that we are creating between light and dark every time. So we're going to talk about kind of practical or not practical, but tangible ways to access this place of Dvekut, of, of connection and oneness. But here's just a Kabbalistic teaching that I love. And that is that the Hebrew word for the world, the physical world around us is olam. And um, that's where we live. That's the world we operate. And it's what's been presented to us. And we can just live our life in this physical material space. I don't judge people for it. But you can also start to see it as pointing the way to something more. You don't have to leave your home. You don't have to go to, you know, the Himalayas to do this work. Where you are, in the laundry room of your basement, and in the old, because that's olam, that's physical world. And in the olam is the ne'elam. Same word, but just a little bit different, and it means the hidden, right? Can you stay in the laundry room and find what is hidden, not just in your kid's 
pant pocket because they didn't take it out and now it's all over the washing machine. But what's hidden in this activity that right. seems so mundane until you are paralyzed and you can't stand up and fold the laundry anymore or whatever, Pick, you know, you're not here. So can you see what's hidden in the visible? And then lastly, le'olam, right? That beyond, it points towards something, towards infinity. Le'olam means infinity. So the physical world presents to us a curriculum or a playground to experience something deeper, the hidden. And when we touch upon that, we can taste eternity. We can taste forever. We can taste the transcendent. And that's the work of a mystic. I love it. Okay. I got to go. It doesn't get (laughs) any better than that for me. Now it's all downhill. That was awesome. (laughs) I love it. Um, So let's talk about those practical ways. You know, like you said, we're not going to talk about the laundry room, but there are practical ways to dive into mysticism. And the first one that you and I both love is nature. I thought you were going to say sex. Okay. We're going to talk about that one. (laughs) <laughs> was it first on our list? No, it's first on my list. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get we'll start with nature though. I do love nature. <laughs> okay, do you want to talk about sex first? Yes, I do, but no, that first. We have to, we have to climax. lead up to sex. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. We need intimacy first. Let's do the Our ratings feminine. just went through the roof. What happened? See, it's divine masculine. You just want to get to it. And I want to build to it. I want to have some foreplay before we get to the actual part. Fine. Let's go to nature. Okay. Okay. And I'm trying to recover from that. Nature is our starting point. Okay. So we all know, like, if you've ever read, you know, you've read things about it, you may feel and experience the idea of nature. And, and Baruch and I love nature and it's hard to stay in this house because we want more nature. Um, but the idea of nature, when I think, when I teach my clients how to be more mystical, magical in their day-to-day lives, um, nature is a perfect way to remember that we are one with nature. Our bodies return to the earth when we are gone. Um, we come from this idea of nature. I teach a lot about, and I won't get fully into it, is this divine blueprint that you start as this, this nature. You aren't born, you aren't, you didn't come into this world to have disease and illness and this, it's just part of life, right? Of anxieties, you know, blocks, traumas. But when you go back to your own nature, then you are whole and you are healed and you are perfect just the way you are. So when I think of nature going outside and I look at the trees and the mountains and the animals and all the things that come with nature, maybe not in our backyard, but in general, to me, it's a reminder that I am part of that. I am the roots that go down into that tree trunk. I am part of the ever-changing seasons that make the flowers grow and the leaves fall off. We are all, we are a body of, we're changing all the time. So nature is a divine way to connect to this mystical experience that we're talking about. The other piece of that, as you're talking for me, is that our context matters. Our our environment matters. We are impacted by what's happening outside of us, inside of us. You know, you, you've been around long enough to know that that's true. You're in a toxic environment and it starts to internalize. And um, that comes back to this Kabbalistic idea of the olam, your physical world is the starting point. And so when we go out to nature, right, we're changing our olam, we're changing our physical world, our context. 
we're minimizing a lot of the noise that keeps us from that, that oneness, that connection. And so we move outside of the disconnection when we go out into the nature. Right. And so just from a very practical perspective, it's no wonder mystics have always talked about doing this in nature. It's right. just that much easier to start past the noise, past the disconnection, to feel the connection. Again, olam, the physical, leads to what is hidden. And when you're out there and you're looking at the Rockies or the river or whatever, you start to see what's hidden by looking what's right in front of you. I mean, I talk about not hidden. Like the, the mountains here are the most visible thing. And yet I don't see them from my house. I can literally see them, but I don't see them. Mm -hmm. And then I go into them and that's all I can see. And I can't even see them anymore, which is right, interesting. I'm in it. You're one, you're one in, with it. We're inside the experience. Right. That's why no matter how beautiful these vines are, they're fake. And it's I'm not I'm not inside of it. Right. And that's that's mysticism. That's Dvekut. That's that's the difference. The mystics, the Kabbalists talk about having a spiritual experience is being on the outside moving in and the mystical experience is on the inside of the experience. Right. So we'll go on from here. But in just to finish up with nature is we can take those moments at the river, in the majestic mountains and all that. And the goal for all of us that don't live near a body of water or anything else is to create that nature world in the middle of New York City. Like where in the middle of where you walk every day can you connect deeply to one little plant, one little tree? I learned this from a um, um, mystic that, I, that I've been studying with a little bit. And the whole idea, she says, is that, is that nature is inside of you. You don't have to go to the Rockies. It is nice. But you don't have to go to the Rockies in order to be one and inside of that experience. You can go down the street and walk and just see the birds and see the magic. Look at the ants. I know it's silly, but once you have this magical experience and relationship with, with the divine, you realize that you are one with all of it. So it's beautiful the way that you can create that nature world right where you are. So I just Googled because you reminded me of William Blake, the poet, in this famous one line from a, um, his a poem, and it says, to see a world in a grain of sand or heaven in a wildflower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. And that's why, like, for instance, I have rocks all over this house. Um, this is a rock. It's not the one I'm talking about. But on them, every time we go hiking, I take one home and I, I write on it where we went and the date and whatever. And um, whoever was complaining goes on the bottom of it. <laughs> and they usually don't Makes know. Little comments you about can who pull was, it over and say, oh, bitching. my, I was bitching again. Um, but I carry that home with me and I bring them into this home because when I'm, I'm walking around talking to clients sometimes or whatever, I'll pick up the rock, right? And I feel like this to hold infinity in the palm of your hand, uh, to see the world through a grain of sand, one grain of sand, Right? You don't have to go up to the Rockies to see the grain of sand. Right. And so the mystic starts reorienting her world towards this experience and expecting this experience. And I just feel very strongly that that's, that's important to get through to our listeners and to ourselves, that we, um, we have the power of mysticism in our hands, literally. Right. And you don't have to set this vacation date to go again to Aruba for this magical mystical tour. They never turn out that way. There's too no. much pressure. 
Always. Well, we've, we've experienced that too. Always. It's the simple, subtle pathways. Everyday pathways. I mean, that's the most important thing is every single day there are pathways to the divine in, in your hand with this rock. Um, I, I hold on when I see clients, I hold on to this, um, owl that I took from my, it's an owl from my grandmother's home when she passed away two years ago. And it's, metallic blue and it reminds me that I'm connected to the animals and I'm and connected to nature and it is like this holding in your hand it's the reminder that you are not alone I mean that's the key to the mystic is that we think we're alone on this path and like just holding this in my hand or holding something in your hand reminds you that there's no there's no such thing as being alone alone all one you are all one um, just along these lines of objects, because I think it's a great practical mystical tool, is this is my father's, uh, it's a little army soldier, tin soldier from when he was a boy. And I hold this oftentimes when I'm talking to clients or when I'm just needing to connect. And what I do with it is I go back to his childhood. I can just feel him play. He literally held this in his hand. And that's when he was still a mystic, which is ironic because I think he thought he became one in his older age. But I think he was a mystic as a child mm. and that innocence, that purity, that connection. It wasn't something you go do. It was something that you are. We've seen it in our children, especially our youngest, when he's playing with toys, which mm-hmm. is less and less. It's hard to watch him. Um, you know, I saw the movie Toy Story a year ago and I started crying because he the boy grew up and he put his toys away. And there was like, there was like this mystical quality of that boy. And I think of my dad as the mystic ironically is that boy, because there was not a separation. There was a oneness. Right. I mean, they say that before like seven and earlier is the path of the mystic before, before you are seven, turn seven year old, seven years old, you still have this remembering of who you are with the divine as a soul. And then by set at seven years old and on, you become a part of this world and you leave some of that behind. And the whole goal of this discussion and the path of the mystic is to remember who you were. Remember those, I often in, with client sessions, we will do, we'll do a lot of inner child work simply to remember those beautiful pieces, not just to connect to those pieces where you fragmented from your traumas, but there was a lot of goodness. I have these such beautiful memories of Yosemite Valley standing in the middle of these beautiful meadows. I think it was Tuolumne Meadows and seeing deer. And I remember that. I was just thinking about that in meditation. Like that is one of my greatest moments of my childhood. I don't even know if my dad knows that. I should tell him. Just standing with my dad in the meadow. And I think it solidified my love for this nature and connecting to the mystical through nature. And it was a portal, right? Because you, by the fact that you still remember it to this day means it's eternal. Right. It's You've carried it this long. Right. And those are the moments when time slips away and, you know, the rules and all, everything slips away and you're just in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so if you go back there now, you're in that moment. And that's the mystical union that we're talking about. I also think it's about when you become conscious of this path you can start turning down the noise of all the chatter inside and outside. When you have this connection with the the path of the mystic, you can start consciously saying that this stuff, you have to do the stuff of life, but you can turn down the volume in order to turn up the volume of the mystic, of the connection. The simplest, I'll tell you the silliest and simplest example. Um, This morning I had a root canal. And um, 
I was nervous. I don't, I don't love, you know, who wants to go do a root canal? So I asked him, can I bring in my, 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 um, songs? He said, yeah, blast them. So I put them on, he didn't listen, but I put them on in my ear plugs and my, oh, I can't talk my ear. What are they? Earbuds. And I, um, I played the best music, Steve Winwood, Lionel Richie, all my, Barry all my, Manilow. no, he wasn't in there. Kenny no. Loggins. It had to be like upbeat. Very, very. Solicit. Normally when she plays her music, I'd rather have a root canal. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, anyways, I played the best music. And pretty soon, in the middle of a root canal, I had my eyes closed and I was at this dam that I walk my dog with with him every single day. Total nature. I was literally walking my dog. And then pretty soon I was tapping my fingers on my body because my hands were like here. And I started tapping. And the doctor's like, are you, are you enjoying this? And I was like, I'm listening to my music. Like I'm having, I'm not here. I mean, I grounded myself. I really told my body it would be okay. Cool. But I literally was like in Steve Winwood, like bring me a higher love. And I was like, bring it. I'm not <laughs> right, sure how I feel about that. Right okay. in the middle of the root canal. I said, I literally was like, bring it, let's go. And my whole body relaxed. And I tapped to my music for literally an hour and a half. Oh my God, we're going to pitch this to dentists out there. <sighs> it's too. Amazing. But like, listen, you no one wants to do a root canal. That's by definition. That's why it's a butt of all jokes, right? Right. Um, okay, we have to move on. No, but I want to just move on using that and saying that on a serious note, I, I do this with people who are in grief or who are just working through the loss because that moment, you know, is eternal. And you can go back to those moments and, exactly. and draw out of them the energy. So, you know, my best friend, Mark, and not a day that goes by that I don't think about him. And there are times when I will just sit in meditation and it's Mark and I, we start, we started a campfire, but then we'll go to like a memory because I have so many of him. We'll just go like we're riding bikes down the street. And I just remember the wind in my hair and Mark in front of me. And Is that when you had hair? <laughs> and I had, Mark was here and I had hair and that that's eternal in me though. It's inside of me and there's an energy in it. And I think that that's my point is that mysticism is a portal. You know, when you're in a mystical experience because you feel energized, mm. like they say about everything, it's hard to explain, you know, when you're in it. It's exciting. Um, and it's not like this, I got to go tell somebody, I got to go do something with it. No, it's a vitality. It's a Shekhinah, as we say in Kabbalah. It's this prana. prana, it's Ruach. It's all of these mystical words that just say the same thing, mm -hmm. right? Energy, energy, you're tapped in. Right. Okay, so let's talk about another few. Um, let's talk about chanting and prayer, because I think that one of the paths, I've been um, reading a beautiful book um, about prayer. Uh, I think it's Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, I can't, no, so it's not that. But the idea of the shamanic mystical, right? It's a mystical path. The idea of prayer and chanting is the introduction into the container of the divine, right? So there's a lot of discussion about um, meditation. Well, if we just meditate, we'll be fine. We'll be mystical. We'll be magical. And most people that I talk to 
when they sit and plop down on the floor or on the, the wherever they're meditating, they there's this expectation that now we are spiritual or now I'm going to connect. And I would say like 90% of people that are starting out or have been doing this for a while even say that 90% of the time they feel absolutely nothing. And so I decided to play with this. And what I found working with clients, um, working in when I do my complimentary healing circle, we do this as well, is prepare the container of relationship with the divine. You have to, you have to go in with preparation. And so prayer and chanting is a way to clear the weeds and the blocks that block us and, and clog the channels between us and the divine. So prayer is like this beautiful way of co-creating with the divine. It is the way that I start out every morning with my meditation before I meditate, before I close my eyes. It's a co-creation with God, right? It's a willingness to be a vessel for this light that wants to come in. But you wouldn't just turn the lights on when somebody's sleeping, right? You don't want to shock them. You want to prepare them. I'm turning the lights on, right? I do that with my son because he hates waking up. I prepare him so I don't get yelled at, right? And not exactly the same. But prayer is a preparation tool to enter into that container, that vessel of light with God. And then the magic can begin. But if you are full of anxiety and, and what I call the weeds, if you're in the weeds and you want to find that beautiful flower in your garden, you have to pull your weeds first to then, I mean, it's all connection, but I've been using prayer um, and using that with my clients as well as a way to enter into the holy space. So I would just circle back to meditation because I think this is part of the problem. Um, I sit in meditation every day. I don't sit in prayer every day. I sit in meditation every single day for 25 years almost. And I, the goal is nothing. I want to get to nothing. That's the whole goal. I'm, you know, I'm more of a Buddhist in this way. And I study Buddhist mindfulness meditation. Your, your clients who come in are Westernized. They're goal oriented. They're achievement oriented. Understandably, we all are. And so they're taught there must be something at the end of this process that will make me feel um, mystical, right? The whole point is there's nothing at the end. There's no thing. I quiet down, 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 down. There's no more noise for a moment. There's no more distraction for a moment. There's nothing, no thing. And that sitting in that space is oneness. There's nothing dividing me and the one that all day is 80,000 thoughts a day. Pounded, 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 pounded. Am I really connected at, in that moment? Or am I connected in that moment where there's no thing separating me? Okay, so before you meditate, I don't know if you do this before or after. Do you journal before or after you meditate? I usually journal before. So I think of prayer similar, similarly to what I think of as journaling. Yeah. Is like you don't just kind of sit down and, be, and say, okay, I'm going to enter into mindfulness. You journal just like I consider prayer as a, it's, you know, it is like sex, right? Like, do we get there? <laughs> it is like sex. It's like for a woman, for the divine feminine, she wants to be touched. She wants to be held. She Journaling wants to be, foreplay. she wants to, she wants to know she's loved. And then for a lot of men, it's about the actual penetration. It's the act of sexual intercourse for women, not every woman, but for women, they need that preparation to enter into that ecstatic state. Now, again, you're right. Meditation or or the act of getting there to the light is not always ecstatic. You know, it's, 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 
it's sometimes is very just and it's emptying. But the preparation state, Teresa of Avila says prayer is nothing else for prayer is nothing else than being on terms of friendship with God. Prayer is the, or even journaling, it's the, it's the I'm here, God, come to me and I will come to you. It is meeting halfway, just like in sexual intercourse, you meet the person halfway. We're going to do a whole sex talk because this is the one that I would give in synagogues and I make sure I, my lifetime contract was in place before I gave it. It's um, radical. It's wild. It's interesting. I don't want to do an, uh, I want to do it justice. So I take back how we misled you at the beginning. I don't think we're going to get to sex today. We're going to stay with this because it is in that vein of sexuality, of intimacy. Sex is not intimate. Sex can be intimate. You can be intimate without sex, right. right? You can have the deep. I was um, yesterday, I took my son to the science museum and I was at a table. My son was out seeing the exhibits and I was working on my laptop and an older couple came and sat down across from me and they asked if they could sit there. And I just watched them and they were so intimate. I almost felt like I shouldn't be watching. They were just eating muffin and sharing a muffin. Mm. It was like the most intimate thing I have seen. And there was nothing sexual about it. It transcended. So sex is really one uh, yet another vehicle to get there. And it's a fun one to talk about, but it's no different than prayer. It's no different than nature. If it's opening you, meditation, quieting you, getting rid of the separation, which is, by the way, why so many guys I know and counsel go to sex because it's one of the only times in their life where it's quiet for like three seconds right? Oh, really... the, the, the orgasm is, right. that's why it's called the little death in French, because there's right. a moment where there's no sound. Nobody's doing the chores in their head, making lists in their head for just a moment, at least. And we have to learn how to expand that into doing the laundry. <laughs> but Static laundry. But these people did it in eating the muffin. Right. I witnessed it. I swear to God, I witnessed the intimacy of, a, of an older couple eating a muffin. It was like, that's a mystical experience. Right. I want that muffin. <laughs> so I think like one of the last things we can talk about is this idea of, you know, we, we sort of touched on it. It's the idea of mindfulness. It's the idea of, you know, mindfulness is a big, big topic, but mindfulness is creating, it's just, it's being okay with silence. Really a mindfulness practice is, is sitting in the present moment with whatever arises, whatever is brought to you, good and bad, dark and light. And creating a, a practice where you acknowledge what is coming in. And the act of silence is a really hard thing for a lot of us. And um, the idea, there's a, there's a prayer, it's, or maybe a proverb. It says, be still and know that I am God. So the idea is that be still. And when you are still, you will know that God is with you. But most of us are striving and we're pushing. We want to work harder. We want to get our, we want the job to be bigger. We want to make more money. We want to strive more in our relationships. We have to do, do, and do. We have to do it because we're not worthy of just being still. Because if we were just still, we would, I mean, I think the first thing that would come up was the unworthiness. Like I'm not doing enough. That idea of not doing enough, of working harder and doing more it prevents us from listening to God saying to us, let's do it together. Let's, let's create a pathway together. That's magic. That's mystical. Let me, let me as a human be more silent, God, 
so that I can open up this container, this vessel that I am, in order for you to come closer to me. God can't come close to the people that are running and can't breathe because they can't stop. Mm -hmm. God has to have a, 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 you know, God is in the silent spaces. So that is like, to me, that's like such a profound thing that it's not that you're unworthy because you do less. It's that you let, you, you create more space for the divine to come in. Well, and, you know, from the Hebrew Bible, um, Elijah is looking for the divine in earthquakes and storms and fire. He's a fiery type. And, you know, the divine says, I was not, I'm not in the earthquakes and I'm not in the fire. And, you know, where's the divine? Bekod the mamadaka, in the still quiet spaces. And it isn't that God isn't in the earthquakes or the fire. It's that we in our society especially go looking for that kind of a divine experience, right? I'm right, going to go to, I'm going to go on a surfing trip to Costa Rica to find yoga and divine divinity and all that. Well, great. Or I'm going to have another, you know, wild ride, or I'm going to go do something, be something as opposed to stop. What you're saying is sit still, right? My teacher, uh, Sylvia Borstein says, don't just do something, sit there yeah. and you'll meet the divine. Because oftentimes what I think in my life is, She's just sitting there waiting for me. And I'm so busy trying to be spiritual that I don't see her. Right. And she's saying, look at me. Like, you don't need to go to yoga or to open the prayer book or whatever you're going to do. Just be still and be silent. And like you said, know that I am here. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's also really challenging for our Western society that has been taught that you know, you have all, everything is at your hands. You, and we've talked about this before. You can be online at all times of the night. You can have anything at the, the, you know, the touch of your fingertips. You can have anything these days, but what if we're not supposed to have everything? Or what if you're supposed to be folding laundry and really just listening right. and meeting the cold of Mama Daka, the still small voice inside that laundry or whatever it is you're doing. So right. That is a, probably a good place to wrap. We do owe our um, followers a sex talk. <laughs> we do. So we just do. stay tuned for that one. And um, we've got a lot of things going on over at Soul Center. Jump over there, mysoulcenter.org. You have some groups. I have um, this Monday night. If Well, I don't know when we're going to get this out. But every Monday, every Monday, the first Monday of every month, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, I'm offering a complimentary healing circle where we do things like this. We have a half an hour of a topic of the month where I lead you in an energetic um, activation meditation, a little teaching, some just some prayers and just a gathering of like-minded souls. And then I answer and help you go through your deepest questions with intuitive guidance and the help of the divine and the the guides. So join us with that. Um, also February 26th at 9 a.m. Mountain Time, I have an anxiety and fear workshop for three hours. And I would really encourage anybody that is struggling, um, whether you're struggling during pandemic or this is something that you've been dealing with for, for a lot of your life, or this is some midlife things that are coming up, we are going to do many, many, um, many things to help you fill that spiritual toolbox to find that still small voice. And I'll just mention one thing that I'm working on, um, Defy Your Enneagram. People seem to be very interested in the Enneagram. I'm passionate about it. It's a great roadmap for understanding how to 
really awaken your particular type of mysticism, what speaks to you. And so it's called the Fire Enneagram, and you can take the Enneagram assessment and work with me one time or continue on. It's up to you. And um, I think it's really a great way to get oriented to a mystical tool, which is the Enneagram. So jump over to uh, mysoulcenter.org for all of these good things and more, and we will talk to you in the next podcast. Yes. Namaste. Shalom. Salam. Peace. You've been listening to the Soul Center Podcast with your hosts, Ariella and Baruch Halevi. If you'd like to learn more about Soul Center, please visit mysoulcenter.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at mysoulcenter. And if you found meaning and inspiration in this podcast, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd also love to hear from you to connect with you. So please reach out to us. And until then, we wish you shalom, salam, namaste, and peace.